Every time I find myself in a social situation and someone finds out that I'm a pharmacist, the first question out of their mouth inevitably is, why are drugs so expensive? They'll tell me a story about, you know, my doctor gave me a prescription for this or that, and I took it to the pharmacy, and when I found out how much it cost, I was blown away. Welcome to Health Stories, interviews inside the healthcare system. I'm Dr. Nicole Deffenbaum, a clinical communications specialist, and I am excited to be joined by uh, Dr. Katrina Jabour, who is a clinical pharmacist, and her spouse, Dr. Ely Jabour, who is a hospital pharmacist. I've been wanting you on the podcast for a year now, so they finally are able to join us and answer all our intrigued questions um, about what it means to be a pharmacist. So welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. And you're the first couple we've had on the podcast too, so that's even more exciting. <laughs> so we hope it gets really heated and there's like a heated debate that occurs at some point <laughs> on the podcast. That'd be fabulous. She's always right. <laughs> there you go. Well, well. Good no, answer. No, <laughs> no heated debate. So the first thing is, um, tell us a little bit about what it means to um, be a clinical pharmacist versus hospital. I think we're all familiar with pharmacists, or many of us are familiar with pharmacists that you go to you know, in your local drugstore, um, is that what you do? So no, um, I mean, I have worked in community pharmacies. I have trained there, uh, did my internship there as well. Um, however, working as a clinical pharmacist, I further kind of focus my time in ambulatory care. So primarily working in different areas of primary care. I train both with internal medicine and family medicine in my residency training. And right now my work involves a combination of doing work as a clinical pharmacist, as well as an educator practicing in more of an academic role as well. And one thing uh, working in the hospitals, we're sort of the invisible healthcare provider behind the scenes. So you might expect that if you're in the hospital that a pharmacist is getting the medications up to you. But what you may not know is that pharmacists are reviewing every medication order that comes across in the hospital, making sure that the medications that you're getting are dosed appropriately for your condition and in your situation, making sure that things are not interacting and being dosed safely. So um, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that people may not know about. And um, as our profession is changing, you may see pharmacists more and more interacting with patients in the hospital, visiting you in your room and talking to you about your medications before you go home to make sure that you understand how to take them and make sure you get the best outcome from those medications. So really, you're the unsung heroes of clinical care, is that it? You could say that. <laughs> okay. So the, the question I really want to ask is, um, when you think back to your careers in pharmacy, what has it been like being a pharmacist? Is there a story that stands out for you that, that really sort of captures what it's like being in this profession? Yeah, I mean, I, you know... I think most of us are, I would say definitely for myself, um, speaking for myself, have a lot of different interests in pharmacy and still do. I mean, there's different areas that I enjoy about it. One area that I really enjoyed was, again, working in ambulatory care that became really evident during my training. So I pursued a primary care residency or at the time were called primary care pharmacy residencies after graduating, which gave me some additional training. And one of the stories that I remember is having my one of my first initial experiences with patients that were referred to the pharmacist, who was me in this case, to speak with the patient about um, some of their conditions and their medications they're taking. And I just remember that there was the story of this um, patient who was referred by the primary care provider that I was working with in this one particular office. And the patient came in to the visit with me crying. And that was the first time that I met this patient. Came in with his wife. 
Um, and of course, I you know had some of the information from his chart already in discussing uh, the information with his primary care provider as well. Um, however, when he presented to me in tears and just really explaining his story, what was going on, it was really about a brand new diagnosis that he had of type 2 diabetes at the same time as his diagnosis with high cholesterol, specifically having very elevated triglycerides, and probably to this point still one of the highest elevations I've ever seen in practice. Um, so I was a little caught off guard. It wasn't really one of those textbook cases that you think were prepared for in pharmacy school. Um, but I just remember that he was crying about it and was just really shocked by the diagnosis, really didn't even anticipate something like that. Um, I think he had some knowledge that he was able to obtain in the visit that he had the diagnosis, but really I think he it didn't seek in yet. And talking to him at that visit, I kind of set the stage. You know, we have our uh, patient care education pamphlets that we had, and we kind of walk through what does it mean to have type 2 diabetes, talk a little bit about at that time what that looked like, how often, you know, he would be seen by a clinical team whether it was myself or his primary care provider or other members that were available and what it would look like. We talked about the medications because when he was initially diagnosed, he did end up going on two different medications, one for each of his conditions. We talked a little bit about what those involved, what were the side effects. He asked a lot of questions and it was a very uh, extensive visit. Most of the visits with me are practicing in the ambulatory care ambulatory care setting are usually set up for like at least an hour time with the patient and it's just kind of a dialogue back and forth and then we try to set some goals and plans for the next visit and things that we can follow up on and I just know that he was definitely overwhelmed so the thing I remembered is you know only basically talk with the patient as much as they can take in at that one visit you know it's not really a race try to work on things little by little and I met with him at least once a month for that year training that I had at that clinic site. And by the end of my training there, when it came time to kind of hand over his care um, back to her, basically, you know, back with the primary care provider, is, you know, explaining that, you know, he was actually doing wonderfully. He was back at his goal with his A1C, his blood sugars were back under control, his triglycerides were at goal, he was doing really well with both of his medications, and actually came to the point where we were talking about that he could probably discontinue at least one, if not both of his medications, because he was doing well. He made substantial lifestyle changes. His wife came with him to most of his appointments, and it was day and night from the first visit that I saw with him, from the crying and how much he was shaken up about it, to the last visit that I had with him. And you could just see the, as cheesy as it sounds, but really just the relief, the joy in his face. You could kind of tell that he felt like he climbed over a mountain, was able to get to the top, made it. Um, and I I could see that he had made substantial lifestyle changes. And I think these were changes that he was hoping to maintain. Um, and that was even without medications, possibly at that point as well. So definitely don't always encourage medications. Sometimes they're necessary. But um, by all means, trying to do things without using medications would always be helpful too. Yeah. So you're not just drug pushers. That's yeah, Exactly. That's <laughs> I always say that. That's always my joke line with everyone. Yeah. Like, or anytime a drug comes up, everyone always looks at me in the room and I'm like, why look at me? I'm not the one telling you, you have to take the drugs. Um, just depends. But the, the impact you had is, is um, familiar to a primary care doctor meeting with this person mm-hmm. every month for a year and helping him with, with his condition and, and managing his medications. That's, that's pretty significant. It's nothing that I usually think of when I think of pharmacists. Um, so, Ely, what's, what's it been like for you to be a pharmacist? Um, I think expanding on what you just said is sort of educating non-pharmacists about what we can do. 
And that, that seems to be the never-ending struggle that I have in my role being here in the hospital is letting people know that we can do just more, more than just dispense medication. So back to what uh, Katrina was doing, you know, pharmacists are the medication experts. We've had six years of schooling focused around medication therapies, how the drugs work, how they interact, um, and how they're best used. So by, by putting a pharmacist in place to be able to manage those chronic conditions where patients are having trouble um, meeting their goals or understanding what they're doing or how they're doing it uh, really has shown some great results uh, having pharmacists do that and, and I think getting the word out that we can do these things we have great results doing these things we're taking care of patients and I think in a value-based um, healthcare setting that, that our country seems to be transitioning to it's really a great opportunity for us and it's going to take a lot of education to get there, but it's definitely happening. Yeah. So since you work in a hospital, do you have um, a, an interesting story of an encounter that you've had with a, a patient or perhaps a team member has had that really stands out well, for you? My, my favorite story from working here is early, early on in my career in the hospital, um, I was asked to go speak to a patient who wanted to use her own medications rather than our hospital's medications because um, she didn't want to get a bill for them because she thought they were going to be expensive. And I, I went up and explained to her, how the, the billing works and why it's important to use medications that uh, we've stored here and procured and, and can guarantee the safety of. Um, and talking to her husband, who was in the room, was an elderly couple. He was a retired pharmacist and mm -hmm. spoke of his his days and time as a pharmacist when he was younger. And I had some extra time, so I said, "Why don't you come down and take a look at our pharmacy?" So I spent mm -hmm. probably forty five minutes with him, gave him a tour of our pharmacy, showed him our technology, robotics, and barcoding, and our dispensing model. And uh, I think I must gave the guy a heart attack because he just couldn't believe how much the profession has changed in the, the 20 years since he retired and all the things that pharmacists are doing, the technology that we're using, and the leaps and bounds that the profession has come from his time. Well, neat. So you gave a private tour to somebody uh, in the <laughs> hospital. That's pretty neat. Tell me more about that. What, what are the numbers we're talking about here? I mean, how you keep up with all of the changes that occur every day? Uh, like just changes with medications. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, to be honest, I I think it's extremely difficult. I mean, I think that's probably a good question that other healthcare professionals I think um, you know have different answers for too. I find that it's easier for me in some ways to keep up with things if you're passionate about it. So for me, I love what I do. I love practicing in primary care and ambulatory care. So I really find it easy. I know we were just talking about podcasts. So I find ways to incorporate how to stay up on the latest as much as I can. Um, part of that is just doing a lot of ongoing reading. We have also continuing education um, requirements that we have also to maintain our license through the state that we're licensed in. Um, I'm also a board certified pharmacotherapy specialist as well. So I have additional credentialing. Part of that also involves additional continuing education on top of what I need just for my state license to um, practice. So maintaining all of that, kind of fit that in, um, and then also learning from our colleagues. So whether mm -hmm. it's with the physicians, the residents, the nurse practitioners, the PAs, social worker, everyone around us, I feel like I'm constantly learning. So there's always a seed that someone plants of, I didn't know about that. I mean, this comes <laughs> up all the time. I was just working with someone uh, last week on Thursday, and they were talking about um, a fairly new law that's coming up or that's basically in the Senate and the House about changes um, related to the practice of pharmacy. I'm like, I didn't say on top of that. I guess there's, you know, many areas, not just about the medications, but about the laws governing our practice too that I have to stay on top of. So I would definitely say it's 
it's easier in some ways if it's something you love, but that's also why I don't specialize in certain areas too. So it's definitely harder to stay up on, um, say for example, oncology practice. I That's not a large portion of my practice. Um, so I definitely devote more of my time to the areas where I need to focus my time on. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's, it's really challenging. And, you know, once you get the basics of, of being a pharmacist, you can kind of build on that with, with the incremental reading, the once a month uh, refreshers that come out. One of the things we do in the hospital is, is we employ specialists, just like we have uh, physician specialists. We have pharmacists that go beyond pharmacy school and do an additional year or two training in pediatrics or emergency medicine or critical care. And they really become the focus specialists of those areas. Okay. So they disseminate that really um, specialized information to the rest of our staff to make sure that everyone's up to speed and let them know what's important for their areas um, because it's impossible for us to know everything now. I mean, right now in our medical record, there's 5,000 line items for different medications. Just, I don't know if it's humanly possible to know everything about every single one of those without having some other mechanism to... Let's talk about how smart you all are. So I want to <laughs> I transition. I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> no, and, and just how much of an a invaluable resource you are. Um, the reason I was so excited to have you on the show is because when I was a kid, whenever my mom had a question, she wouldn't call her doctor, she would call the pharmacist, and like a local pharmacist, um, when she had a question um, about anything that we were taking, over-the-counter, if it was prescribed, because I think the idea is the person who prescribes it, you have to get a hold of that person to ask the question, and my mom would always, she taught me, if you have a question about your medication, you will not only likely get a quicker answer, but you might actually get a more accurate answer by calling a pharmacist. And to this day, whenever anyone has a question, I say, just call the pharmacist. Um, so I guess, you know, in some ways, it's, I, I think, easy for someone to get a hold of a pharmacist because the idea is that, especially in a community pharmacy, you're likely bound to find a pharmacy that's open 24 hours a day. Um, I definitely don't think that the pharmacist is there to take the place of contacting like your primary care clinician as well, but definitely able to answer questions, especially if it's a, uh, for a medication that you've had filled at the pharmacy. Right. So I think it's a good idea to call a pharmacist. And even if you don't have a specific question, I always encourage someone when you're going to the pharmacy, you have usually there's a question that you're asked and part of it's um, like legal documentation, but you're usually asked at least with a new prescription, do you have any questions for the pharmacist? Yeah. And you're intended to check off a yes or no box because yes. you have to be given the offer to counsel. Um, I will say I myself included often decline that when I pick up any medications. Um, but to I just always like to remind patients that you can always choose to say yes. And yeah. even if you don't think you have any questions, you might just want to say, yeah, can I talk to a pharmacist because I've never taken a suppository before yeah. or I've never used an inhaler. Um, and oftentimes, depending on where you are, the pharmacist will usually also say, hey, this is the first time we've seen you with a prescription for an inhaler. Did anyone go over it with you before? Mm -hmm. um, and someone may have actually gone over it with the patient, which I'm glad and hopeful that they do. But and with like with anything, if someone is learning something new for the first time, it's always helpful to have someone else repeat the information and talk about it. So that person's always there, and it can be for over-the-counter questions. I remember getting that asked repeatedly, um, being in the pharmacy and someone saying like, oh, what do you think I should take for this toe fungus or something? Or my child has diaper rash, and I'm not sure anymore I've been using. We kind of walk through like what have they used. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I think one of the 
biggest barriers is that we usually don't have access to a patient's medical record. That's not usually we have access to the record in the pharmacy, but we don't have access to the medical record. So we really rely on what the patients tell us. So that's always my caveat is, you know, I don't know your full history and your record. Um, so I like to know, like, you know, do you have allergies to something before I tell you to start taking a certain medication over the counter? I always like to make sure that patients know that when they go into pharmacy and let the pharmacists know if there's something that really stands out that would help them understand before they make a recommendation. So reconsider declining the counseling. I almost always say yes. Yeah. And I'm the person who stands there and says, <laughs> yep, I'm that person. I'm the person who stands there no, and says, so tell me a little bit about this medication. I have taken such and such before, but I've never taken this for my allergies. What are some of the side effects? And I know that I can read the pamphlet, yeah. but my gosh, Though that information no. is four or five pages long, and we're all sitting there trying to make sense of it, it would be great to have somebody sort of make sense and answer your questions and what are the possible side effects like right there in a moment. I think if everybody read those pamphlets front to back, nobody would ever take another medication again because right, they're just right. so uh, <laughs> so dire in there. Yeah. And we you know, take thousands and thousands of medications uh, safely all the time. And I think that's one of the worst questions in the pharmacy is, do you have any questions? Yeah. People don't know what they don't know, and right. um, you know there are things that they probably should know about their medications that they're just not getting. And I think the the more patients know, the, the better outcome they're going to have taking their medications the right way, knowing what to expect, knowing what not to expect, and um, you know makes them a healthier, more informed patient. Yeah. So since we're already in uh, in this question, I was going to ask about what advice you have for our listeners. What are some things, given the years? I can already tell you, you're all ready for this question. Given the years that you've been practicing, what are some common questions you get? Um, and I'm thinking for our listeners, things that you think our listeners should know or questions they should be asking. Well, I think the question I always get is, why is it so expensive, which I alluded to earlier. Um, and the pharmacist doesn't always know why it's so expensive. And it's not their fault that it's so expensive. <laughs> um, but the questions they should ask really are, um, how should I take this? What side effects should I expect? What do I do if I miss a dose? Mm -hmm. um, how do I take it? Do I take it with food, empty stomach? And what should I be worried about? You know, when, when should I call my doctor if something's if I'm experiencing you know, shortness of breath? You know, what, what, when do I need to worry? And those sorts of things. So I think you should always ask the questions, those sorts of questions. And what are you taking it for? Do you know what you're taking it for? Oh, Make sure good. that's uh, clear to you as well as the pharmacist. You know, uh, I know. A lot of times we see patients who are on 10, 15, 20 medications and they don't always know why they're on all these medications and they may not need to be on them. So it's costing them more, it's probably making them feel worse and interacting with their other drugs and they might not need to be on it. So asking why you're on it, I think is very important. And potentially for a medical mistake too, right? Yeah. I mean, I can imagine the person says, oh, I'm on it because I have cholesterol and you're looking at this allergy medicine saying, wait, what? And so maybe that's a way to also um, address a mistake. Katrina, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, going along with the same lines, I definitely also concur with the pharmacist does not usually know why your medication is so expensive. And I think that's become more evident over time with the amount of insurances that are out there, the changes in insurance, the changes in co-pays, deductibles, and so forth, that that's been a 
a huge factor for patients oftentimes of being able to afford their medications. Some things that I think patients don't know is oftentimes some pharmacies will match the pricing of medications um, if you're able to disclose to them or provide them the pricing at one pharmacy. So we always encourage patients to stay with the same pharmacy to fill all your medications. Try not to fill at two or more than that because especially if they're not in the same network of pharmacies uh, because then you have two different medication profiles. So mm. the... Um, the information to the pharmacist is only as good as what is in the computer. So if you're taking drugs from a different pharmacy, the pharmacist at pharmacy A won't know that. Um, so a higher likelihood of interactions and not being able to catch everything. So we always say keep your all your medications at the same pharmacy. Don't switch just to get a cheaper cost. Try to work with your pharmacy, see if they can obtain a lower cost. And then the other part of it too is just ask your pharmacist more. I mean, if they're they're there, they're able to tell you what the cost is with your copay, um, depending on the state that you're in. Um, there are different legal restrictions around, patients always ask like, why am I given this medication? We try to explain, well, that was the generic because you were written for the brand, there's a generic available. Depending on your state, most states usually there's a requirement that the pharmacist fills for the generics. We wanna make sure you get the least expensive option. Um, the generic doesn't necessarily mean it's any worse than the brand. I was just going to say, are generic and brands really the same? They are. I mean, there's very <laughs> rare occurrences where patients might be sensitive to the difference in them. Um, and this is highly debated, but things like some medications for your thyroid, where there are patients that have tried one version mm -hmm. of a medication for their thyroid um, to get their thyroid hormone, and they found that their levels maybe are a little bit more erratic. But for the most part, um, anytime you're usually given a generic version of a brand, it's it's intended to be identical, which is why it's approved as a generic. There's really, most cases, patients won't notice a difference. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, any other advice that you have, Uh I think there's uh, some good resources out there for patients that they may or may not know about when dealing with their medications. One of them is goodrx.com, oh, okay. which is a great site to be able to look at different drug prices if you don't have insurance or it's still expensive with your insurance. You can compare prices at different mm -hmm. pharmacies. You can find some coupons for discounts on medications. So it's a really good way if you are struggling with uh, cost of medications. If it's a brand new medication, a lot of the drug manufacturers will have patient assistance programs mm -hmm. for patients that need help paying for their medications. Um, there's also a website called safemedication.com, mm -hmm. which is uh, a nonprofit run by a pharmacist professional association that has drug information, it has a printout where you can keep a type copy of your med list so you can have all your medications handy and ready to go when, when you go see your doctor or pharmacist. And also some tips of what types of questions to ask and how to ask them when you're interacting with your pharmacist or other healthcare providers. Nice, good. Um, some of the other things that I would say too is when you're, especially in the community pharmacy setting, um, also, I guess, I, I think some of the interactions I've had oftentimes are patients who come in to get a prescription filled and they drop a prescription off and the question's always like, okay, so it'll take just a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the response from the pharmacy team is usually, no, it's going to take probably 20 minutes. And sometimes it's an explanation to patients too that um, there's a lot of behind the scenes going on, especially at the community pharmacy, because you know you may have a pharmacy technician or a pharmacy intern inputting the information. Then you have to have the pharmacist that always checks and verifies that everything matches up on the prescription, that the pills in your bottle are what the pill that you were supposed to get. So there's a lot of behind the scenes work. So I would always tell patients, you know, be patient if you do go to the pharmacy that 
a lot of um, what goes on, there's multiple steps and checks and balances that go on to it. And it's always helpful to say, there's always an option to say, oh, well, how long will that take to get filled? Or say, I'll be waiting for it. That's always really helpful too to the pharmacy team if you are going to be waiting or if you just want to drop off the prescription and come back. Most of the time, prescriptions now are e-prescribed or sent directly over from a prescriber to the pharmacy. Um, so that kind of happens behind the scenes. So you can always just stop in and say, hey, I'm here to pick up XYZ for this patient. I'm just going to wait for it. Um, so I think it's helpful to be mindful of it about that. And we want accurate, we, we, we want accurate prescriptions too, right? And so I'd rather wait and know that it's correct right. than Absolutely. try to get it rushed and, and not have it be correct. Thinking about you being um, pharmacists and the fact that you work with clinicians all the time, but again, you're very much behind the scenes. I think of like the Oz, right? The great Oz. So now you're brilliant and you're the great Oz behind the scenes. Um, so thinking about all your behind the scenes work, but you really do work with a team. And so what, what kind of um, advice or words of wisdom or things would you like your fellow clinicians to know? I think my biggest takeaway that would apply to any area in pharmacy that I've practiced would be that I uh, really enjoy being part of the team. So I practicing as the pharmacist, really enjoy being part of a collaborative team working with a variety of healthcare professionals and being asked questions. I mean, that's what I'm there for. Um, sometimes, you know, depending on the situation, don't always want to interject right away. We want to make sure that everyone has a chance to speak and um, incorporate their thoughts. But I love being part of the team. That's why I went into this field. That's why I do what I do. Yes, I have a strong interest in medications, but I really enjoy helping to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. I, I like helping people, not just patients, but helping the people that I work with. I really enjoy teaching, and that's part of our work. You know, we help to teach patients, to patients how to take their medications, but it also involves teaching other colleagues. So when someone has a question, I always say like, oftentimes someone will say, all right, well, sorry for the stupid question, or sorry that I'm asking this, or I'm sure you get this asked all the time. I probably have not been asked that, or maybe I have, but either way, it's great to talk about it again, because I always learn myself from those questions too. So I think just keep asking away and keep involving your pharmacist on the team. I would echo that. And here in the hospital, we're fortunate to have pharmacists embedded with many teams and service lines in the hospital, but if uh, a healthcare provider found they didn't have a pharmacist embedded with their team, reach out to us um, or wherever you're working, and we're there to help, we're willing to help, we know our medications, and hopefully we can work together to uh, improve your patient's health and outcomes. I mean, the biggest thing I've learned is that, I, I mean, again, other than being brilliant and knowing everything there is to know about the latest drugs, um, is that you do medication management. Like you said, you do teaching, you're teaching your fellow clinicians, you're teaching patients, you're trying to manage their, their medications and help them get better. And so it's not just dispensing medications, it's how to understand them, how to make sense of them, how to manage them. There's so, there's so many more layers of what you do. And beyond that, beyond the, the patient uh, and physician aspect, we keep costs down too because if we're using the most effective medication or we're using the least expensive out of equally effective medications and improving outcomes, we're reducing overall costs to the patient, to the health system, and uh, to insurance companies. Wherever you're looking at it, we can help reduce costs too from a global perspective, which is great. Any final thoughts? Uh, I guess just ask your pharmacist. Same here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I apologize to our listeners, there, there was no fighting. Um.
um, that occurred. So, um, but we're glad that you joined us this week again for another series um, here, uh, another episode here on House Stories. Uh, we hope that you join us again next week. Just as a reminder, we are on Facebook, so you can like us there. We're also on Twitter at Stories Health and NicoleDefenbaugh.com slash blog if you'd like to leave a message. So this is Nicole Defenbaugh with House Stories.